Hey fellow gamers, on this week's episode of Rolling for Change, I get to interview the amazing Camden Wright, who, against all odds, created a role-playing game that is based on helping children through traumatic situations. Now, therapy games, well, typically they're not for the therapist, and they're not for adults, they're not for people who are trying to learn about therapy or learn about helping others, but they are typically kind of surface and unable to break through what we'll call maybe the therapy game barrier, which some people seem to think exists. Like you can't have a game for therapy unless it's very obviously for therapy. And I think that if you've listened to Rolling for Change for any amount of time, you'll know that's not true. You'll know that we explore games that manage to break that barrier on a regular basis. And you'll also know that the games that we talk about, even regular hobby tabletop games, have the potential for making transformation in someone's life. Well, Camden comes along and writes a role-playing game in which you get to take on the role of a therapist, a social worker, a police officer, a doctor, uh, any number of professionals that might come into contact with a child who's been treated badly or hurt in some way. And hopefully the interview will give you an idea of how this game could work both as a training tool and also as a means of teaching the world how to be more empathetic towards people who are hurting. So I think the interview turned out really good. I think you'll enjoy our discussion, and I look forward to any feedback you want to give us. Here we go. To Rolling for Change, a podcast about the transformative nature of role-playing games, board games, video games, LARCs, you name it, we got it. Uh, today I have a very special guest. His name is Camden Wright, and he is the author and creative force behind One Child's Heart, a role-playing game about children's trauma, which uh, Camden, can I just start out with like, what the heck, man? <laughs> So, yeah, this is uh, honestly when I started out with this idea, um, I thought it was a game that maybe a couple of my friends would play begrudgingly and nobody else would have any interest <laughs> in. And it's it's certainly grown beyond that. But I realized that uh, it's a tough pitch for for a lot of people. Yeah, that it's it's pretty intense. Even, you know, I was just listening to the podcast that you did, which is an actual run through of the game. And even just that little vignette that I heard was intense. Mm-hmm. to say the least. So what would what would motivate you to write a role-playing game about children's trauma, which is probably the hardest sell in role-playing <laughs> games that I've ever heard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons were both taken, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's um, because ultimately um, what I worked hard to create is a game that's about hope and human connection and the power of both of those things. And um, the the story that the game is based on um, is originally my story and uh, the stories now of all the other contributors as well. And so it's the, the power of reaching out to somebody in a difficult situation and seeing how that ripples out into their life. 
So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that it being originally your story, does this mean it's more autobiographical at first and then you got a lot of the people to join in and sort of add their flavor to it or – uh, there is uh, the foundation of the game is memories that uh, the players explore. And those original memories were based on my life and the people in my life. Um, and uh, while being flexible enough to tell a variety of different stories. And now um, there are a whole ton of people who have contributed memories to the game. And so those experiences and the difficulties uh, are not just my own. That's that's wonderful. Um, so it, it's it's autobiographical in that sense, and then you grab the biographies of other people. It's not that, you know, from what I can tell, you don't have experience as a mental health provider, as a social worker, as a policeman. Um, so you're you're coming at this from a perspective of being you were in the system maybe, and uh, now you're representing the system. Uh, well, not exactly. Um, That's not so, the right, right the way, quite the right way to put it, but you no, know, you're so, representing what it looks like to be involved in the system. So it, it doesn't, um, uh, One Child's Heart doesn't just tell the story of foster kids. Okay. Um, it is about um, any anybody uh, in life. I think that uh, we all as children and certainly as adults in many cases as well, have those moments where from looking from the outside, uh, at what's going on in a situation. Uh, it might not seem like such a big deal and people might not understand why I am so upset about what's going on, uh, but it's because they don't understand the context of my life that's come before that and why that particular moment is uh, is traumatic for me. Sure. And so it's about, uh, the game is about being in those moments as adults uh, and interacting with kids and having the ability to say, to ask questions like, are you okay? What's going on? Listening to those and helping the kids reframe those moments inside of them. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think you're right that, uh, you know, my experience with people who are on the outside looking inside to trauma, like they're looking through the window, but not really with it. Mm-hmm. Um they're kind of their their model for handling this this terrible situation in someone's life is just why don't you just get over it? It's <laughs> over now. Just get over it. And uh, of course, I'm I'm a I'm a therapy counselor. I'm I'm a licensed professional counselor, uh, as well as a supervisor of other counselors. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that this is uh, that that even the most minimal of things can be devastating to a child if it's you know if it's hurtful yeah if we're doing something that is uh not not wholly human like we're not being adult with with the children around us instead we're just acting as if we all have the same problems and and throwing our anger and our our aggression and our our issues on them and so the the trauma cycle continues yeah um so on 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 that on that vein, I'm really excited that such a game exists because this is, you know, I was listening to it and I was kind of reflecting on, well, what, what is this that's going on? And I was afraid, I was kind of afraid that you were going to uh, uh, have people get by on charisma alone, meaning that almost like, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to this role play you guys are doing and I'm like, but that's my day. Um, <laughs> and it, it's so weird to hear it from, from the perspective of a story that's being told in a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
what I what I liked about it was instead of having them sort of access, I mean, you're teaching the players empathy. You're teaching the players how to deal with a really challenging situation. But instead of expecting them to to roll out a trauma focused model of some sort that's going to help this child through, they have to roll dice mm-hmm. to make what would normally be therapeutic skills to me. Um, <laughs> Cause you're like, we got to see if you're going to connect with this child. We got to see if you're going to make rapport with this child, which is, is amazing because uh, maybe most people won't really have much of an idea of how to do this. And so rolling becomes the best way to sort of determine whether or not your therapeutic or your, your social work skills are, are playing out on this field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure it's something that that whole mechanic is designed to sort of capture that moment of, and I'm sure you've experienced this a lot, where you can say the thing that you have been trained to say, you know what's going on, you know how to do it. And for whatever reason, something just lands absolutely wrong. And you can't ever really predict how, particularly a person who has, has been in crisis or in trauma is going to react. Yeah, that first vignette, I, I know I've been on that that side of things where you, you really want to help. You really do. Uh-huh. And what you said just happened to trigger the child into some other space that mm-hmm. did not, you know, it's it's not it's not your fault as a clinician or as a helper in any way, shape, or form. It's just here's the circumstance you're in. And yeah. uh, I couldn't believe the, the sort of ways that you guys were able to say, well, you can mitigate this by saying you're going to lose trust. Or you can mitigate this by saying that you're going to cause additional trauma or something like that. Mm-hmm. That I just, I was sitting there even thinking just about that particular discussion and possibility. I'm like, okay, I'm in a role playing game, but I'm going to say, yeah, let's add trauma to the child. That just yeah. seems crazy. Yeah. And it's, um, and that's one of the things that um, I've worked really hard and we're still always updating the language to make sure that people understand you're not going to do something cruel to this child. Um, I mean, that would, you know, no responsible um, uh, uh, human or let alone a clinician would ever would do that purposely. But um, sometimes it evokes a deeper, it triggers a deeper response than you could have ever foreseen. And um, you have to deal with the repercussions of that, which, I mean, you pretty much stated earlier. And so as players, you know, what, uh, where do we choose? And it actually took, I would say, probably four months of playtesting before anybody was willing to even touch that. Yeah. Yeah, but you 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 did gangbusters with your Kickstarter. I mean, it it went off pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was exciting to see. You know, I, I'm going to be honest. I just saw just a little bit of a description. I'm like, I've got to back that because <laughs> nobody else is doing that. This is so unique. This is such an interesting idea. But for the listener who maybe hasn't really checked out the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. by the way, listeners, I, I encourage you all to check out the Kickstarter. But for the listener who hasn't checked out the Kickstarter yet. Maybe you can kind of summarize what you are doing with this game. What, what, what is this game? I, I think we've kind of danced around it, but we haven't really defined it as fully as I'd like to. Yeah, um, I'm happy to. Uh, so in One Child's Heart, uh, players take on the role of various types of child welfare professionals. And they have an opportunity to uh, become part of an experiment where um, they enter into the memories of a child who's consented to be part of the project. 
and they um, don't, it's not time travel, so they don't have the ability to change any of the realities of what happened or the realities of that child's life, but help them inside of that moment, uh, reframe what's going on, help them understand that just because bad things are happening to them doesn't mean that it's their fault um, and it doesn't make them bad people. Okay. Um, that is, uh, you know, I, I never would have even expected the possibility of role-playing a therapist since I'm a therapist. <laughs> it, it just, it's, it's wholly weird to me. It's like, it's almost like if someone said, okay, today we're going to role-play going to the office and uh, working on paperwork and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and it's really it's interesting. I've played the game with uh, with therapists and law enforcement officers and faith leaders and foster parents and foster kids and I mean the wide variety of of people that uh, are often touched on by the game's content. And it's really interesting when you have a therapist play the therapist because their approach winds up being it is just like their job. Yes. Yeah, it, it. I was thinking, you know, this is not a game, <laughs> but there, it, there is a side of this where I can see that it, it could be a very helpful teaching tool um, to therapists, but also to everybody else in the world who doesn't do therapy to kind of, kind of get a picture of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking also in terms of, you know, as a supervisor of therapists, what I want most is for my therapist to grow and better understand trauma and better understand um, everything about the work we do. And I think One Child's Heart serves to sort of introduce kind of an in vivo exposure to a trauma without having to be like, number one, the therapist can play it at the level of being I'm a therapist role playing a therapist and I'm getting I'm getting engaged with something. We do role plays on a regular basis in um, Mm -hmm. therapy training sessions. So on the one hand, it's that right. You get the chance to sort of practice your skills if you were to stretch it out to being that you're working with maybe an adult who's got trauma or even an older child who's got trauma who can maybe understand some of these concepts from a sort of divorced from reality perspective. There's some in vivo exposure here, which is, you know, basically we're trying to give an experience of trauma without contacting your trauma. Yeah. And I I think that can be really important. Um, So I'm just devastatingly amazed at what you've done here. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's um, it is a game that um, <laughs> uh, early on uh, people uh, some of the feedback I got was that you you're the language that I use like using the word trauma when I discuss the game and the game content and the multitude of warning labels and safety discussions that we have at the front end um, were uh, off putting. And, and I understand that, but I want to make sure that when people, especially people who have experienced trauma in their lives, engage in the material, um, they are coming into it with a full knowledge of uh, what can happen, even though none of the content is. I mean, the game does not feature uh, sexual abuse. The, the, the game does not feature uh, the physical abuse of these children. Um, it's still like for and I've seen some really amazing transformative moments at the table from people who are looking uh, outside uh, dealing with that trauma that isn't their own and Mm -hmm. saying things to somebody and then processing afterwards like you know gosh that's you know that's me you know I wish somebody had said that to me 
and maybe I can say that to somebody else. Those those moments are are, are really special. And making sure that people go into it with a full knowledge of, of content is uh, something that I feel would be irresponsible to, to not invest in. Yeah, I feel like you have to be very open-minded to engage in this, in this kind of game. But, you know, the fact that someone can engage in it, I think there's a lot we can teach uh, a less suspecting public of the things that we're experiencing you know, especially in the field of therapy and counseling and social work. Hmm. Um, so there, there's so much I want to say about this, and I, I'm trying to get to the heart of, of my, my experience of what I've heard so far. The, the biggest thing was just that um, this... This, if if provided to a group of people who take themselves seriously and who can kind of get into it, can be a really amazing tool to help people understand empathy for others. And yeah. in that sense, I'm kind of like, I want everybody to play something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does take a lot of those caveats and a lot of those moments of trying to keep people safe. As a as a game master, if I'm on the other end of it and, and I'm trying to create scenarios or I am creating I am looking at scenarios that are there, is there an open endedness for me to improvise the story itself, or is it this is a series of vignettes that have been put together just for the purpose of this game? So let's say I wanted to address something like sexual trauma, or I wanted to address something like uh, physical uh, abuse that that happens. Um, is there room to make those kind of improvisations as a game master who, as long as you're, you know, putting the right safeties in place for the other people playing? Uh, yeah, the game is made to be modular. And so um, part of the um, introduction process is every memory comes with uh, a set of content warning, which is read out before gameplay begins. Uh, if somebody, if there's something that is unacceptable to somebody, um, they they say no. You swap that in, uh, change it out for a different one until you get a story of a of the specific child you're trying to uh, that they're going to meet before you move on. And they're also uh, every memory comes with a list of kind of alternate um, ideas so that they can be adjusted. Um, there's no purposefully no pronouns or no general assumptions made for the most part about the children. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a guide for creating your own memories and kind of how to put those together. Okay, good. Cause uh, you know, I, I can understand why you wouldn't want to make that part of the, the set that people buy, mm-hmm. but I, I can see the value of stretching it to you know, maybe not real world examples in the sense of actually taking other people's biography. But uh if I'm going to use it as a tool to help uh, therapists sort of work through how to handle trauma, then I would want to be able to put some really upsetting moments in there because that's that's what we deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. And this game, uh, and I think that for uh, a professional training situation, uh, that's certainly uh, more, much more appropriate than a random convention game of, of strangers sitting down together. But so I, I know that you've done that, right? You've sat down with strangers and played this game. And how did how did that go? What was that like? Um, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I learned um, 
I learned a lot in the early playtesting of this game that um, I had to teach people, one, uh, not to be afraid to reach out and talk, and mm-hmm. two, um, teach them empathy instead of trying to fix this stranger's problems. And uh, it has been, uh, as the game has matured and gone on, there's been a real a lot of really affirming moments about humanity that I've seen happen at a table. Well, I'd love it if you could share some of those. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there was, uh, there was, I was playing a game at a convention uh, table. I knew one of the players uh, at the table, but it mm-hmm. was just an open call, buy tickets, show up. And it was uh, a father and uh, his two adult sons sitting at the table and um, watching that the, the, the two men had gone through a foster system and the loss of their mom. And uh, this was a, uh, this, uh, the convention was a, a, a father's day present to the dad oh, okay. and who had not gamed in like 25 years. And wow. so I, oh, yeah, wow. I was like, okay. Or is, I, mean, I gave him this spiel. I was like, I run an open table. If this isn't for you, you can walk away. No hard feelings, but they were invested. And, Watching the the arc of uh, the father uh, in character and the way that he was interacting with his sons, uh, which started out as the you got to get tough. You know, he's talking to this imaginary child in character. Yeah, it's yeah. like you got to be tough, and you know the world will knock you down, and and just this kind of old school toxic male. Um, you know, through line of, you know, just be tougher. And in that last memory, um, he took a moment and he said, you know, I told you all this stuff when we first met and I was wrong. I should have never said that. And I realize now that, um, and it just, I realize now what a mistake that was. It just had this like beautiful, heartwarming speech and watching his two adult sons witness that moment of this, you know, tough as nails man, uh, admitting that he had made a mistake and that wasn't a healthy way to approach life was one of the more beautiful things I've ever seen at a table. That's amazing. Was there a debrief after, afterwards where you kind of talked to the, the, the data? Did, did he make a lasting change in that moment? I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, it's, it's hard to know. Yeah, but yeah, there's, a, a, there's time built in um, to debrief after where we all sit and we talk, which is um, often where when you write a game like this, um, people share their trauma with you yeah. uh, while you're there. And so uh, I spend a lot of time just holding space and listening to people. And making sure everyone's okay. Uh, but yeah, we, we sat and we talked and um, it was, um, I, I mean, it was just one of those things that I couldn't have ever planned for. I couldn't have ever expected to have happen. And um, it's always such a gift when people show up with vulnerability um, and uh, the amount of investment people put into an imaginary person uh, is always just startlingly beautiful to me. You know, I, I love the fact that you made it memories that we're traveling through so that you can't actually change the child's experience. Um, but what's what's the motivation behind that choice? Because, I mean, you could have made a choice where we're working to change things for the child in the moment as opposed to dealing with a child's memories. 
Yeah, uh, because uh, I've seen, I've, I've done a lot of volunteer work in schools and um, with uh, kids with developmental disabilities and respite and things like that. Um, and there's, uh, there are people that show up who genuinely want to help that think that they're just going to come in and fix things. And um, that it's about that power of the power dynamic of coming in and being a savior. So what do you do when you don't have that ability? How do you show up? Where do you find power uh, inside those moments? And the game is designed, hopefully, where you find power in your own personal vulnerability. You find it in listening and you find it in kindness and empathy instead of action. Yeah, if you go into a situation knowing that you can't change the past, which I guess that's ultimately what a therapist does, you can't change the past. Mm -hmm. We can't do anything to fix the fact that you went through this terrible situation. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, breeding a, a group of people to a point that they understand that without action, there can still be action. Mm -hmm. That's a hell of a lesson that people need to learn because a lot of times those people who are going through rough things they just want to be heard. Yep. They just want to know that somebody has their hand, their heart, somebody's looking after them, um, and they can't get through all this stuff. It's just happening to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, and that's that's the idea that, that, that the game tries to capture and why it's designed the way it is. My guess is that uh, you had this idea, and then you spent a lot of time researching and learning everything you could about trauma and potentially, I guess, about therapy. Um, was that a big learning process for you to, to get into this game? Um, yes and no. Um, it was certainly um, something I put a lot of time and energy into. Um, I'm fortunate to be surrounded by uh, professionals. Um, mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of, hey, read this and, and tell me what you think if I'm off the mark. Um, and uh, it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of playtesting, too, and figuring out what people understood and what they didn't understand. So what needed to be in the game and how to direct them to this particularly emotional experience. Um, and, you know, I, I worked really hard that it is not um, like I, I see the potential for it to be a therapeutic and training tool. Uh, but that's something that would require somebody with more experience than myself to, to take that next step. Well, you're definitely making an example that tough topics can be taken on in a game, mm -hmm. which is video games have been kind of breaking into that more recently, dealing with trauma and things like that in video games. But it's, it's certainly not come out in uh, board games and role-playing games. You might touch on it sometimes in some some of the more deeper thinking kind of role-playing games that are out there. But I, I really can't say that I've ever seen a, a game that was able to be sophisticated enough to take on this idea of developing more empathy through role-playing social workers, therapists, and, and such as that. So, um, I mean, it had to be a major undertaking in, in my sort of mind of things. And, and typically I might say that, you know, you could take a game like D&D &D, or you could take a game, I mean, if we're looking at role-playing games, you could take Pathfinder 
and bring trauma into it and it, then it just becomes the the level of the dm's expertise to sort of help people manage through that situation but here you here we have a system that is pretty much teaching us how to be good listeners <laughs> it's trying yeah it's 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 just such a fantastic idea so um, I, I think that um, one of hopefully one of the other things that people take away, and um, I, I think that hopefully uh, this will hit a ring true to you as a professional. Um, if you work with kids um, in particular, and you see a child in a difficult situation, it's your professional and moral ethical responsibility to try to do something and trying to get um and and you understand the uh framework of what that looks like um and so getting people to understand that it's okay to ask uh if you see a kid crying are you okay um is something that people really truly don't seem to understand uh for the most part no in fact uh, i mean statistically people will just walk by and act like nothing's happening mm-hmm you know, it, it obviously it depends on the city you're in. It depends on the people you're around and, and what kind of situation you find yourself in. But just finding a child, well, I don't know. I I don't know if I've ever seen anybody just pass by a child crying on the street. But I've, I've seen people pass by people on the street. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine that there are moments where people just don't see one another because that's too hard to see. Yeah. Um, and so... People playing this game it at least gives them a chance to play with in an alternative sort of environment way that with the idea of actually taking a chance and stopping to help. Yeah, I uh, I remember there was uh, a time like eight years ago I was driving down the street and um, I saw a kid who was maybe three years old um, walking mm-hmm. down uh, walking down the road just doing their own little thing. A kid seemed relatively upset. Um, and I watched several people walk by and drive by without saying anything to them. And I had pulled off the side of the road and um, I saw somebody else had gotten off their bike. And um, it was one of the teachers from a nearby school um, mm-hmm. who was actually uh, on their way home and uh, stopped and got them and found out that they had wandered away from a preschool program and got them where they needed to be. But the, the number of people that I saw just like tool on by uh, was uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. So it's good that you have this experience because now you can go and see perfect strangers actually elicit emotion, <laughs> yeah. uh, elicit empathy in, uh, in, in convention situations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, certainly not everybody connects on a deeper level with the content. And, uh, and I understand and respect that, too. It's it's still an infection that you put into the world that I think is a fantastic thing because uh, people are going to be subtly... I mean, if they just play this game, they're going to be subtly changed. Mm-hmm. They're going to be subtly aware of something different. Um, I Actually, I was listening to the podcast that, that you did with uh, your, your playthrough, and 
I, I was actually kind of cringing inside because I'm like, I don't know if I can role play being a therapist in a role playing game. I just didn't know <laughs> if I could do it because I'm like, what are people going to think if I fail? <laughs> well, that's the great thing is you don't have to. You can uh, you can choose to be a social worker instead. Um, I've had. Uh, um, so, I mean, I've had people who uh, work in the system play anything but their day job. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that that would be <laughs> a little more helpful, maybe. <laughs> Because uh-huh. it's just a little too close to home. It's like, you're supposed to be good at this, and you just failed that? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I played with a, um, with a, a school psychologist, and uh, their, uh, their roles did not go particularly well. And they were, like, trying to work down the um, – you could almost see them looking at the literal checklist of what they do <laughs> in their day-to-day <laughs> job. And I'm like – Okay, take a breath. We're playing pretend. It's okay. Just <laughs> roll with it and let's keep going. So presumably the the DM book or the guide for being a DM uh, puts a lot of uh, therapeutic principles and concepts in people's hands. And I, I saw you rolling for things that um, maybe I wouldn't normally expect you to have to roll for, but... I guess that one of the things you had to do in in sort of learning how to deal with trauma in that direct I mean, just from listening to the rules that I heard, it was clear that some thought had gone into how we're going to approach trauma because you were very like, you set the boundaries at the beginning by, by giving people an out for really challenging situations that maybe just doesn't mesh with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you... You basically, it's like you knew that there could be a possibility that even approaching a child in a, in a kind way could be, it could be a fail based on yeah. their triggers and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I I know I'm kind of gushing about it, but I want really <laughs> I want what I want really is for the listener to get engaged in this and and go out and find the game. And I know the Kickstarter hasn't been like we, the Kickstarter's finished, but you haven't published yet. No, and we'll be doing backer kit too, so people will be able to to get it before it comes out. And so, for those those guys, those people who want to know more about it, they can still go in and uh, make a purchase and get on the Kickstarter. I mean, not on the Kickstarter, but you know, on the on the list for people who are going to receive the game. Yeah, they will be able to. Uh, we don't have the backer kit fully uh, ready to for the public yet, but okay. that will be they'll be able to get Kickstarter pricing and and the all the accoutrement. Okay, uh, but yeah, I mean the the dice mechanic. Uh, since you brought it up, there's only literally one time in the game that you roll one situation, and that is to um, determine what the child's reaction is to you. Um, everyone is a professional. Uh, if you want to look things up, if you want to figure out, you know, have a conversation between the two of you or three or four of you, whatever, those aren't things that you're all skilled professionals, and that's why you're chosen for this project. But you can never, ever, ever guarantee another human being's reaction to what is about to happen. And that's what the dice are for. Yeah, that makes sense. That There's a random element because you just don't know what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it becomes, well, how do you react to a situation where you didn't do the right thing? How do you resolve that in the, in the midst of that situation? Mm-hmm. How do you build bridges after that? Exactly. Yeah. My, uh, 
my one of my favorite things about the game is um, or to see during the game is when people uh, struggle and they lose trust over and over again. The child just is not connecting with them. And then in those last scenes where uh, things do go their way and they have the ability to say, hey, you know, listen, I know that I screwed up over and over again, but I'm here. I still showed up. I still came back because, you know, you're worth it. I'm here for you. Um, and those are, I like that a lot. Yeah. So you've done this. Mm-hmm. Is there is there an encore that you're looking to make? Do you, As a result of doing this, you've talked to a lot of people. You've seen how people react to this. Is there another difficult uh, uh, RPG that you're taking on for your future? Um, I mean, I uh, probably. I mean, there's there's certainly other uh, projects that I've I've started. Um, it won't there won't be another game exactly like One Child's Heart because this yeah. was. Um, I mean, this was a love letter to the kid that I was and to the yeah. people who were there that helped me reframe those difficult moments in my life. And uh, for every kid that I ever, you know, uh, volunteered with or talked to and the adults that have shared their trauma, um, it's a little it's a message of hope for everyone. Um, I don't want to do I mean, like, I don't know that my heart could do <laughs> game after game after game <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, it's intense. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and, and so I mean, I'm. Uh, um, there are a couple things on the horizon. One is a um, a uh, police procedural game uh, that is like the exact opposite, but um, <laughs> is still. Uh, I mean, well, I say that, but everything I make starts with an emotional intent. What is it that I'm trying to communicate, and what kind of experience am I trying to elicit? Um, so, uh, it will be, it will, I, I don't know that I can make non-sad games, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, the, um, and so on, on top of that, there's also a game called, uh, Breathe that I've, uh, been play testing, which is about, um, people who, two people who are in a situation where, uh, they're running out of oxygen and, um, someone needs to make a sacrifice by the end. And what does that conversation look like? And what does Oof. life after that look like? Wow. That one hurt my heart too. That's <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I do have a brand. <laughs> <laughs> Existential role-playing games. That's right. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll make a game about happy ponies at some point. I promise. <laughs> So what do you play now? I mean, this is going off the deep end here. So what do you play now to kind of, um, you know, and, and one thing I was thinking about as you were talking about One Child's Heart is that you said it was a love letter to the child that you were. And I was thinking, you know, it's a totally new agey sort of therapy sort of thing to say, but what a great way to heal your inner child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so when you're not uh, making sad games, uh, <laughs> what, what do you do that, uh, that fuels you? What's your, uh, what's your self-care? Um, well, I mean, like therapy, honestly, <laughs> it's, it's a big part of it. Like, uh, therapy is a good thing and I, I encourage it for people, but, um, I, uh, I ride motorcycles. Uh, I spend time with my family, um, uh, running the game and, uh, um, creating. So, 
I say this a lot, but it's 100% true um, for me. And that's, uh, I believe that the art of making games comes from creating real emotion from imagined situations. And being a part of, you know, be, having the opportunity where strangers will take, um, uh, or friends will take a, a small portion of the limited time that they have on this planet to sit down and create something that we will hopefully remember for years to come um, is, is healing for me as well. Just the, the trust and uh, the connection that comes from that. It's important to me um, that people understand that uh, this is a role-playing game and not a replacement for therapy or actual, you know, actual professional care. Um, and it also, um, it says it right in the book, but this also doesn't instantly turn you into a uh, a qualified clinician. <laughs> no, obviously. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, one of the first pieces of... Uh, there was a game that I ran early in playtesting, and I'm happy to tell this story again, but um, where one of the players afterwards said, you know, I feel like I could just go out there and like help a kid who was in need and I could just like totally change their life. And I'm like, hey, that's great. And you can, but not in the way that you mean. <laughs> right. Yeah, here, take these dice with you and see if it works for you. <laughs> That's right. And when you come back and you're crying, I'll be here for you. And I'll give you a hug if you want one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great that it motivates people. Uh, uh -huh. We need more of that. There was, uh, there was a moment um, where um, I had a, a longtime foster parent who played the game. And uh, they came back, they sent me a message uh, like a year later, and uh, they said that they had reached out to one of their foster daughters that they had lost touch with, and uh, they were reconnected. And just thank you so much for giving them the opportunity to play and, and have that moment and, you know, reestablish that loving relationship with somebody who was super important in their life. And I'm like, holy gosh, a game of pretend did that. <laughs> and that's not, and that's the beautiful thing is that's not me. You know, I didn't make that happen. Right. Um, they did. Yeah. You introduced the tools for it, but yeah. I mean, it one was... of the nice things about games is that if, if someone's tuned into it, you have a lot of tools there to, to see a little bit deeper into yourself. You just have to be willing to look at it a certain way. I, um, people accuse me once again, and I just accuse myself of, of making games that uh, make people cry, but um, I don't. I mean, I just, I create situations where people can choose to be vulnerable and connect and have a real emotional response and, and they do, um, you know, but that's, that's their own beautiful energy of themselves. And there are maybe not a lot of games that give you the opportunity to be vulnerable together. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, maybe you don't want that at convention kind of level. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, you know, even games like Pathfinder and and other role playing games I've played, I can say that there have been moments where I've, where being vulnerable or opening the door to that vulnerability has been a game changer for what's going on in the scenario. It, it's just. Uh, but it, there's a kind of a flowering here, so in a little bit of a sense, the the game itself is the the fertilizer for the growth that's going to happen. But it doesn't guarantee that it's going to work. Yeah. So 
I did love that you put in um, that this is not trauma tourism because it could have easily been like uh, here, check out the grisliness of the of these people's lives. Um, but you you did it in such a, a mindful, conscientious way that I think that won't happen. That no one's ever going to address it like it's a piece of fluff that's not going to have personal meaning. Yeah, and that's part of why it's, the game is also focused on smaller traumas um, that, um, well, I mean, if you can say small trauma, but um, the, the less, uh, that's why there isn't the, the um, sexual content that isn't, that's why there isn't the physical content there, because I think that there is so much of what people look at in popular media as traumatic situations are those extreme um, terrible things that um, no decent moral person would would think, oh man, that's awesome. Um, but there's all these tiny little moments, like from my own life, like I remember sitting uh, in, a, in a frozen yogurt place and um, I got mint chocolate chip ice cream and I started bawling. Now, um, the my family was with me and they understood why because <laughs> i hadn't eaten you know mint chocolate chip ice cream in like 40 years and they knew the story behind it but for anybody else that would seem like an extreme reaction to absolutely nothing um yeah. and um and i think that to understand those moments of trauma too and that trauma isn't just you know a black eye uh, or a heartbreaking story is important. And, and the fact that you've created this also means that those of us who, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll include myself in this group, those of us who have gone through um, challenges in their childhood, I won't call my mm -hmm. childhood traumatic, but those, who have, those of us who have gone through some really challenging things, um, by normalizing it, by making it something more public to discuss, um, and we're all able to sort of kind of point out, yeah, I had that too, uh, can be really freeing for people uh, to... So maybe there's a, there's a side of this maybe that when you're helping that child in the game, there's a little bit of helping yourself in your own past. And that that's a pretty amazing idea. Yeah. That we could see ourselves in the game that way. Yeah, I hope so. Um, a good friend of mine... Uh, tells uh, he talks about it quite a bit and um while uh he was in my very first uh play test of the game period uh before it ever saw the light of day for anybody else uh, it was just uh four friends and um he mm -hmm. had lost his mother the year before due to cancer and um from that after the game he sat awake all night and by morning he realized that what he needed to do was forgive himself for all his perceived failures with her that um, she loved him and he was good enough and it wasn't his fault and uh yeah i mean that's i mean anything that gives us an opportunity to have those moments i think is has value well, Camden, uh, I know we've said that we can find this. Uh, you, can, you can still get a copy. Um, what address on the web should folks go to, to to go and check into One Child's Heart? 
Uh, well, you can go to my uh, personal website, which is uh, camden.com, C-A-M-D-O-N. And uh, I'll put up links to Backerkit and everything as we go forward. And uh, hopefully uh, by next year, it'll be available at uh, game stores and conventions uh, all over the place. I'd love to walk just into my friendly local game store and see one child's heart on the shelf and <laughs> uh, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, what about if they just want to reach out to you? Is that also the same way to go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can uh, reach me through the website. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Camden uh, or on Facebook, which is Camden W. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see this thing come out. I want to get it to the table. I want to force friends into this game. <laughs> uh, just because I think that the conversation that's going to come out of it is going to be worthwhile and meaningful for all of us. And well, yeah, if there's anything I can do to support... Um, your exploration of the game in a professional capacity and and what's going on with training just please reach out let me know and uh, you've got my support 100 percent. excellent yeah I, I can actually see uh using some of the dynamics that are available here in in training sessions um because even though we're rolling dice where we would normally use therapeutic skills Mm -hmm. At least rolling those dice mean that we are exposing a certain set of, of therapeutic skills to therapists to uh, to kind of see how there are different ways to come out of a particular situation. And I know you said you can play as the social worker and you can play as the police officer and all the different other people in there. And I think also, you know, the, the therapists I work with, we're community therapists, which means we are door-to-door -door therapy. We go to people's houses. We spend time with them in their houses and in their communities. And uh, a lot of times we're dealing with uh, very traumatic situations that'll really rend your heart on a regular basis. But getting a chance to, you know, I can almost see as a therapist playing the role of the social worker. And too often, at, at least in in our group and in other groups I've met, there's too often kind of a dichotomy between the social worker is this and the therapist is this. And we we bump heads because we don't necessarily have the same agenda, even though underneath it, uh, you know, definitionally, we all have the same agenda, which is keep keep the child safe and and make sure that they are able to, to safely move through the traumatic experiences they've gone through. Um, but getting to see it from the other perspective and even play that rollout may be really uh, a really helpful thing for for people that uh, are learning to be good therapists because you want to be well-rounded you want to be able to to see all the perspectives mm -hmm. and, and i think and the so level maybe of adding engagement. those extra roles makes a difference say that yeah. again oh i i think that the level of engagement that um, a group of professionals like that would bring to it would be an entirely different experience as well uh, and so i can see how valuable that could be yeah so I'll, I'll definitely let you know, and uh, hopefully listeners will let you know uh, what what their experiences are with it. I'm hoping that everybody gives you testimonials so you can keep a book of testimonials and you say, this is something that happened. <laughs> uh, but uh, if, if listeners want to uh, comment on this episode, of course, they can go to our forum. We are at forum.geektherapy.com. They can uh, join in our Discord, which is... Uh, 
geektherapy.com forward slash discord. Or you can send email to uh, gamers, gamers at rollingforchange.com. And if you have a game that is similarly sad as Camden's <laughs> game One Child's Heart is, and you'd like to talk about it on Rolling for Change, please check in and let us know. All right, Camden, well, once again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope we've inspired some people to to go out and get the game, and I hope we've inspired some people to think about their own possibilities for creating interactive art. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been a, a pleasure. You've been listening to Rolling for Change, a proud member of the Geek Therapy Network. If you or someone you love is a geek, then please go to geektherapy.com where you can find like-minded fellow geeks, friendly and compassionate people, and a respite from all the slings and arrows of Reality Prime. You can comment on our episodes at forum.geektherapy.com or you can join a lively and ever-changing discussion over at our Discord group at geektherapy.com forward slash discord. If you want to suggest topics for future discussions or join us on the show, our email is gamers at rollingforchange.com. Last but not least, go to bandcamp.com to check out music from Rocket Scientists. Not only are they the creators of our theme music, but they have many more albums to choose from, and they are all very good. So once again, thanks so much for listening, and keep on rolling for change.